The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So who's or what's bullying you right now? Honestly, maybe it's a disease or debt. Or maybe what you were hoping to do or plan for Christmas isn't gonna come together because of your current life situation. Or maybe it's something more obvious. Maybe it's a boss or a a relationship or somebody in authority in your life that's just bullying you. Or maybe it's just some annoying person who's got an annoying habit that's just driving you crazy and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And so when you think about bullies, um, who is it that When you were in class, or maybe you're still in class, who did you guys pick to kind of like lead your team? Right, if you think about it, like you didn't pick the scrawniest, weakest, wimpiest kids, right? You picked the strongest, fastest, biggest, best. And if you're being bullied by a disease right now, you don't ask my two and a half year old who's got the little toy doctor kit to do surgery, right? You go to Johns Hopkins, you get the very best to intervene in your life. If right now you're dealing with a financial crisis and it's debt that is bullying you, What you're hoping for is that your long lost wealthy aunt shows up at your house with a check for billions, right? You don't hope that the homeless guy knocks on your door, right? Think about who you hope shows up when you're being bullied. And that was exactly the challenge with Jesus' friends, family, and neighbors. When Jesus decided to announce that he is in fact the son of God, the savior of the world. He is the champion that's come to rescue the world. Here's what Jesus did. He comes back home, he had gone on some trips, and he decided to come back to his hometown. So you think about this, right? Imagine you show up at your high school and you call an assembly and you go, hey, by the way, everyone, no, you didn't realize this, but I'm the son of God, the savior of the world. That's kind of how Jesus' friends and followers and uh, Jesus' friends and family and neighbors reacted when Jesus decided to finally let them in on this unexpected secret. Let me just read it to you. This is uh, Luke writing. Uh, Luke is an eyewitness to the life, teachings, death, resurrection of Jesus. And later in life, Luke sets out to write the account of Jesus' life into a book, into a volume. Actually, he writes two volumes, the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts. And he's writing to to, uh, new converts that converted from Greek paganism to Christianity. But these guys have no context on who Jesus was or is. And so Luke is kind of introducing them and he wants them to know that it was as unexpected to the Jewish community as it is to them. And so here it is, Luke is telling the story of Jesus' introduction as the savior of the world. Luke chapter four, and I'm gonna start reading in verse 16. So he went to Nazareth. So this is the place, so Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but then he grew up in Nazareth. And so he returns home. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. 
and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And so this was a normal custom. Uh, Aspiring rabbis, up and coming teachers would go to the local synagogue on a regular basis. And then uh, they would take turns, they would stand up and they would begin to read from the scrolls. They'd begin to read the sacred writings. And so he, he's handed the, the um, scroll of Isaiah. He un, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So he actually opens to what we currently refer to as Isaiah chapter 61. And he starts reading in the very first verses where it says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So up to this point, not much unexpected, but there was something intriguing in the way Jesus read this passage so that everyone's still looking at him, expecting something more. He began by saying to them, today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now that was unexpected. This was a familiar passage. And everybody knew that this passage was referring to the coming Messiah, the the term used uh, for the one who was gonna come, anointed by God, who would come from heaven as the son of God, who would become the king, the rescuer of the world. They thought that this coming Messiah would become the great ruler and king over the nation of Israel, would lead the nation of Israel back to world power and prominence, and would overthrow all of their enemies and would set up a kingdom of peace that would last forever. That was their expectation. And so Jesus, the neighbor, friend, and family member, sits down in the synagogue and says, oh, by the way, That passage you just heard, it's fulfilled in me. Now he's got their attention. And they they start murmuring. Isn't this Joseph's son? I mean, we know Joseph. Isn't that him? Like, I remember Patrick from high school. He wasn't that cool. And he didn't have a great batting average. What are you talking about? This, This is like the runt making it into the NBA. This is Rudy getting drafted. Right, this is like, wait, what? I don't think so. Truly, I tell you, Jesus responded, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. It's familiarity that breeds contempt. And then Jesus goes on to tell them that when the miracles and message of God are rejected, God will take them to others who will receive them. The Jewish people thought they were the chosen of God. And so for Jesus to suggest that God would take his miracles and message outside of the nation of Israel was like heresy, it was blasphemy, it was outrageous. And so all of the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And they got up and they drove Jesus out of the town and took him to the brow of a hill what is now referred to as the Mount of Precipice. And uh, they took him up this hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. And you know, the context of this is here is Jesus. He, they're so angry that Jesus, their friend, neighbor, 
you know, they colleague of Joseph's would tell them that he is the savior of the world. They got so angry about his message that they began to drive him up this hill and they were going to throw him off the cliff. Interestingly, this moment is really important. You might wonder why did they drive him up a hill? And then Jesus just kind of turns and walks right back to the crowd. So, uh, Laura and I this year had the privilege of going to Israel and we stood on this point. And interestingly, um, this Mount Precipice looks out over the Valley of Armageddon. And so if you know your Bible history, you know that in the book of Revelation, the way the Bible ends, that the final war, you know, the kind of the final epic battle of good versus evil is supposed to happen in the Valley of Armageddon. And the point is this, Jesus allowed his friends and neighbors to drive him up the mountain which is foreshadowing him being brought up the mountain where he would be crucified. And as he stands there, they're ready to throw him off the cliff, looking out over the valley of Armageddon where God will bring his final victory over evil. And then Jesus turns and walks back through the crowd because it's not yet his time to be hung on a mountain where he'll conquer evil. But this moment is important because it's so unexpected that his neighbors and friends would hear Jesus announce that he, a commoner, is a king. That this son of Joseph is in fact the son of God. And this ordinary classmate is actually the savior of the world. And it's shocking and it's surprising but it's world changing. And how does that affect you and I? Why is it so important that Jesus just kind of introduces himself? Hey, I'm the savior of the world. And he does this in a synagogue in Nazareth. And it's, this, it's for this reason. Jesus, the unexpected savior, offers wholeness. He, he introduces himself in a synagogue where he's handed the scroll of Isaiah where he reads this passage. And the whole point of that passage is that this savior, rescuer, Messiah would bring this supernatural wholeness to anyone who would not reject him, but who would receive him. And when you think about what's bullying you, you've probably misdiagnosed it. When you think about what's troubling you, you probably haven't pushed deep enough. Here, here's what I mean. It's not your boss or that deadline or that debt or disease or that insecurity or that fear that's really bullying you. No, under the surface is a much more powerful bully and a much more devastating trouble and it's called sin. Sin is the spiritual bully that has already devastated and left us spiritually dead. And as a result of being spiritually dead, we are left emotionally bankrupt and mentally in turmoil and physically in decay. See, sin, which is that internal corruption that cuts us off from relationship with God, and when we're cut off from relationship with God, we live our lives on a crash course trajectory with ruin eternal suffering and judgment. This is bad news, right? And so because we have this sin that has corrupted us and ruined us, this sin bully that is alive in us, causing us to be spiritually dead, we constantly face the turmoil and the bullying impact of this internal enemy that drives us away from relationship with God 
and toward our own ruin. You could say proverbial uh, ruin off the cliff into the valley of evil and destruction. And that's our lives. But Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus, the savior of the world, unexpectedly introduces himself and announces, it's me. I am your hope. I am your healer. I'm the one who was sent by God to rescue you from destruction. And and there it is. That's the response. That's the answer. And so I want to just jump back a little bit and offer you What does it look like for us to respond to Jesus, this unexpected savior, and receive wholeness? Well, let's just go back and read the passage to you where he says this. This is what he reads because this is the promise. This is the sign of this unexpected savior. He reads from this passage in the scroll where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The word gospel translates good news. And so Jesus reads this scroll from Isaiah where he says, I have been sent with the spirit of the living God on and in my life to preach good news to poor people. And so the point, what's the point of that, right? So this unexpected savior offers wholeness which means good news for you and I. What's the good news? Well, I don't know about you, but I am curious. How many of you recently got some bad news? I don't know, maybe maybe just, you, you all across our campuses right now, maybe even if you're joining us online, you're just gonna say, yeah, I've gotten bad news recently. Really, none of you, y'all, really, it's because you're watching me on video and you're thinking you don't have to respond. Right now, raise your hand, yep, that's me. Maybe if you're online with us, you can type in, yep, that's me. Here's the deal, right? Recently, we got bad news. A family member passed away tragically and uh, most of us are sitting on bad news. And there's somebody sitting right next to you. You don't even know the bad news they're carrying. You don't know what's troubling them inside. And uh, we carry bad news because of what's going on at work. Bad news in our home. Bad news in our family. Bad news because of the stuff that we're dealing with privately that nobody knows we're struggling with. And Jesus shows up and says, I have unexpected good news for you. I have good news from God. And this good news is for the poor, right? And immediately you might think, well, that's not for me. No, no, no. That means anybody who has bad news, right? That makes you poor, right? I, I'm, you, might have the, you might have the fullest bank account, but emotionally you're bankrupt. You might have a, a beautiful home, but the relationships that fill it are empty. You might be driving the nicest car, but you're going nowhere in life, right? You're filled with bad news, which means you're poor in the deepest places in in life. And so Jesus said, I'm gonna bring you unexpected good news to anyone who is poor. And that's all of us who are carrying bad news. And his good news is this gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus is announcing that one day you're gonna drive me up a hill where you're gonna put me to death And my death 
will bring victory over evil, right? That was the foreshadowing of looking down over the valley of the Armageddon, where God will bring the ultimate victory over evil. But Jesus is saying, I am the victory over evil. Here's what's going to happen. I am going to die on a cross. I'm going to take the collective judgment for all of your sin. That bully that has beaten you down and devastated you spiritually and destroyed you emotionally and left your mind in havoc and left your relationships guarded. That's right. I'm going to pick a fight with sin and I'm going to face the bully of death and I'm going to take on your enemy of eternal judgment and I am going to allow myself to be put to death, absorbing your eternal death so that when I die, I bring about a great victory over evil. And in the power of my resurrection, I will conquer sin and conquer death and conquer eternal judgment because I am the savior, the rescuer of the world. And my death and resurrection will be the ultimate battle of victory over evil so that anyone who believes in me by faith will be forgiven of their sins, given new life and given eternal life. Oh, and by the way, that's good news for anyone wrestling with bad news. So if your bad news is you're in poverty, I got good news for you. You are rich in God. You have bad news. You're struggling with a sickness. I have good news for you. You're not sick in the eyes of God and he has an ultimate healing waiting for you. You're facing death or you struggle with losing a loved one. I want you to know that God brings victory over death, right? Like I could go on and on about how this good news affects every aspect of our life, but it can be captured in a word, wholeness. And this idea of wholeness is not primarily temporary. It's not about you feeling better or even just feeling good, or having a good life. Jesus did not suffer beaten, abused, mocked, spit on, him being stabbed with a spear, his body being torn to shreds, him being hung on a cross, primarily for the purpose of you feeling good right now. No, his ultimate goal was to give you a wholeness that is good news that goes deeper than you can possibly imagine. A wholeness that washes away sin, that gives you the promise that death is not the end of your story, but death is a transition to true life and the promise of a wholeness where you receive forever eternal life in paradise with God. Now you gotta admit, that's good news. It might be such good news that you feel like, man, that's too good to be true. It, it would be too good to be true if it came for free, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. It cost him beatings and betrayal and rejection and being bloodied and battered and abused and rejected and destroyed and devastated. The son of God reduced to a criminal hanging on a cross, rejected by men and rejected by God the Father so that he would suffer on our behalf and purchase our salvation, purchase our good news. And there's more. Like I could just stop right there and you, you'd all be like, woo-hoo, right? Like at this point, we could just kind of call it a day. But that's the great thing about this whole idea of the good news of wholeness is that there's more. It goes deeper, right? So let me just keep reading. He goes like this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know what his point was? Wholeness is your healing. 
Now, I know you're immediately thinking about physical healing. You're, you're thinking about, man, I broke my leg, and because I believe in Jesus, my recovery is going to be quicker. Or we got that diagnosis, and now I'm going to get cured of cancer. Yes and no. God's primary agenda is not to make you feel better in this lifetime. It's not that he won't do that. It's not that he can't do that, but that's not the primary benefit of receiving Jesus as your savior and with him comes the healing that is offered through wholeness. Yes, Jesus came to say, so that through me, the, those that are brokenhearted will be healed, right? But when he's talking about brokenhearted, he's not just talking about a broken leg. Think about what brokenhearted means. It's an inner ruin. It's inner turmoil, right? So our response is usually quick fixes. We think of brokenness, sickness as primarily physical. And so we go to the doctor and we want surgery or we want medicine. Or we think of our sickness, our brokenness as primarily emotional. And so again, we want medicine or we want counseling and therapy. We want somebody to tell us that everything's gonna be okay. Or we reduce our sickness and brokenness to something mental. We have a mental uh, hang up. And so we need somebody to coach us or counsel us and make us feel better in our thinking or get our thinking just right. But Jesus came and saying, no, no, I am the savior that offers healing in the deepest broken areas of your life so that I can transform, I can give you salvation, good news, and that salvation begins to transform your thinking. It begins to transform your emotions. It begins to transform your, your emotional well-being. It begins to transform even your physical well-being. Yes, God can heal you, but here's the deal. If God chooses to heal you physically, it's not to keep you alive longer in this, in this miserable state of sin, right? It's to show that he has victory even over the physical ailments so that you would trust him and share his message with others, right? So God wants to heal the broken hearted, those broken places in your life. And then Jesus continues to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Remember, when Jesus finishes reading this, he goes, today, what I've read to you is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the savior, this unexpected savior of the world. But what is Jesus saying in this passage where he goes like this, I've come to proclaim liberty to captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The point is this, um, in wholeness is your freedom. He goes, I'm gonna set you free from what controls you and what haunts you from the bullies that stalk you in the night, the bullies that stalk your thinking, from the life controlling habits that manipulate your decisions, from the fears and insecurities that haunt you. I'm gonna set you free from that. And these proverbial chains that bind us, Jesus said, I have come to offer you wholeness, which breaks chains and sets you free. Imagine today, you could be free from the things that control you and haunt you. You could walk free. You could walk in peace. You could walk down the street. You could walk into a relationship. You could make decisions without dragging baggage. Wouldn't that be freedom? 
And Jesus said, because I am the unexpected savior of the world, I'm offering a wholeness that brings freedom with it so that you are no longer controlled and manipulated. You are no longer haunted by your past or by fears or by insecurities. You are free in me. That's wholeness. And then he continues. He says, again, continuing in in Luke chapter four, verse 18, and recovery of sight to the blind. And and immediately you might be thinking that Jesus is saying, I have the power to heal people who have blind eyes. And God certainly has the power to heal people with blind eyes. But whenever Jesus would heal someone with blind eyes, it was to demonstrate that he has the power over even sickness and disease so that people would trust him, that he can also heal the blindness in our life. What's blinded you? What's caused you to have blurry sight about the future? What's caused you to live empty and to feel like you're going nowhere fast? That's what Jesus is speaking to. The savior of the world has come to offer a wholeness that brings purpose. In wholeness is your purpose, right? Where otherwise we go through life blind, now we have purpose, we have meaning, we have significance. Our life is not empty, but has value and significance. What Jesus is offering is in me is this wholeness that gives your life purpose. You don't have to wander anymore. You don't have to go through life aimless anymore. I'm going to give your life direction. I'm going to give your life value. I'm going to give your life significance and meaning. Now that is wholeness. And then Jesus offers this final statement, verse 19, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what this does is this foreshadows. So again, Jesus is reading from this prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah, when he writes that statement, talking about how this coming savior Messiah who would proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord was actually referencing this ancient idea of the year of Jubilee. One year in every 50 years where it was a year of celebration where all debts were canceled, slaves were freed, Anybody who was going through any, any debt, they had any outstanding uh, obligations, they were all freed. And it was a year of freedom and liberty and celebration. And so what the prophet Isaiah does is it says this, when the Messiah, this savior of the world comes, he will come to proclaim the acceptable year of Jubilee for everyone and it will be a forever Jubilee. So follow this, right? The point is this, in wholeness is your future. Debt's canceled, right? What debt is that, right? You're you're given um, grace over guilt. You're given liberty from what's got you in captivity. You're promised a forever future where you are no longer defined by your past. You are no longer controlled by what haunted you. You are walking in the destiny of God into your future where there is hope and healing, where there is promise, where you not only have the promise of eternal life, but you have the promise of God's favor on your life today. That is a remarkable and unexpected promise of wholeness. Imagine, imagine to a group of people, friends and neighbors and family of Jesus, gathered in his hometown where Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm the savior of the world, the son of God, who has come to offer you wholeness. Through me, 
Because God's spirit is on me, you're going to find, and then he starts to go down the list, everything you're going to find, when you begin to believe in him by faith, you're gonna have healing in me, right? Unexpected healing, an unexpected freedom, an unexpected good news, unexpected purpose, unexpected future. And I want you to know today, that all the rich gifts of God that sound so unexpected are available and offered to you because Jesus purchased them and he put them under the tree of Christmas because they were purchased on the cross. And what is your response? How do you respond to this moment? When you think about Jesus unexpectedly introducing himself to his neighborhood and they were so quick to reject him. Our instinct is to think it's too good to be true. But I promise you and assure you that the message of Christmas points to the cross, points to Jesus' death and his resurrection and his victory. And it's offered and available for every one of us. And your response and mine is to simply go, I am willing to receive wholeness. And then I can go down the list the menu of what's available through Jesus' wholeness, the good news that I need in a season of bad news, the healing that I need, the, the, the sight that I need to see purpose, the future that I need to know that God has offered me. And so right now I want you to pause and I want you just to reflect, what, what is it that I need from God today? Maybe right now you came in and you, you've got the bully of sin that's driving your life. And what you need right now is to actually receive the good news of a savior who gives you victory over guilt, victory over sin, victory over eternal death. And you're ready to make that commitment and say yes to Jesus. But maybe there are others of you, you believe in Jesus, but boy, you, you've not started going down the menu of all that the Savior Jesus offers in wholeness. And maybe right now you're struggling with bad news or you're struggling with a, a brokenness inside or a blindness that has robbed you of seeing your, your, your purpose and significance in God or maybe your future is bleak. And right now, even though you believe in Jesus, you need to receive fresh gifts from God. Can I encourage you, pause and take a moment right now and just say, God, here's where I'm at. And here's what I need to receive from you. Would, you. would you take a moment right now and just pause? And we believe that God's spirit is present with you, that God is not far from you. God has not abandoned you. He's with you right in this moment. Would you take a moment, just pause and pray and allow God's spirit to begin to give you faith to believe that you could receive wholeness from heaven. And as you pray, for those of you that right now during this Christmas season, you would acknowledge that you have not yet made that commitment to follow Jesus. You, you've allowed the bully of sin and guilt and shame to beat you down and leave your heart in trouble. Can I encourage you right now? Would you make that commitment to say yes to Jesus? In fact, would you do that with me right now? At each one of our campuses, if, if, if that's where you're at and you're ready to make that commitment, can, can I encourage you? Would you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm ready to make that decision to say yes to Jesus, to acknowledge him as my savior, 
as my rescuer against my bully. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Say yes. That's where I'm at right now. And for those of you that are raising your hand right now, I just wanna take a moment and I wanna pray with you. Again, right now, I just wanna encourage you, would you just raise your hand if that's where you're at during this Christmas? I mean, what better time than Christmas to say yes to Jesus? If you need that savior right now, would you just raise your hand? And for those of you that are raising your hand, let me just pray with you right now. Jesus, thank you. You were unexpected. It, It wasn't like you were the biggest, strongest, fastest champion that everyone was looking to to become their king. But you stepped in and you rescued us from sin through your death on the cross, the power of your resurrection. And today we choose, we say yes to you. We believe in you by faith and we receive your forgiveness. We invite your spirit to enter into our spirit so that we can receive new life and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.